We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. What is improvisation? Well, it's kind of making it up as you go along. It's a staple of jazz, and it's proven an effective form of comedy. It's a very specific talent, but it needn't always be applied to comedy or music. We're talking today about how the talent can be applied in other ways. Joining me in studio are Bob Baker. He's founder-director of the Improv Comedy Cabaret here in St. Louis. Dr. Ken Haller is a slew care pediatrician at SSM Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital and professor of pediatrics at St. Louis University. John Larson is one of our own. He's with St. Louis Public Radio, and he is the author of Just Say Yes, an Optimistic Guide for Entrepreneurs. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Great to see you. Great to be here. Yeah, glad to be here. Great to be here. I attempted to do a definition at the top, Bob Baker, but let me ask you to give me one. (laughs) What is your definition of improvisation? Of improv. So, yeah, it is making making up uh, a a scene, a, a song, a game in the moment based on a suggestion often from the audience. Um, the thing that separates it, like a lot of people think of it, of improv comedy, they get it confused maybe with stand-up comedy. And what separates it is not only is it not a routine, uh, but you're co-creating it with at least one other person. So you're making it up in the moment. However, it's not completely free-form. There's actually principles that are involved in learning and performing improv. And every game that you play has a framework. So it's this really neat combination of structure. Uh, but within the structure, you're free to improvise. Yeah. Uh, can you go along with that? Oh, yeah. I, I, I would completely go along with it. I, I, I think that improv is life. Life is one big, long improv, and, and we're always kind of responding to what's happening around us. Uh, I, I thought yesterday in the interview with Daniel Estrin, someone asked him, you know, what his day is like, and he said, I make up a plan, and then something happens, and I have to yeah. throw it out and start over again, and that, <laughs> that is improv. Yeah. It's just responding to the situation and, and taking from it and, and going forth. Uh, John Larson, you know, I we've talked about this off the air with others, but it seems to to me that what we're doing right now is improv. It is. Um, I like to think of improv as a, a shared language. It's a mm-hmm. shared experience. You know, so we're all contributing, and but we all depend on each other, right, to accept our offers, right. and then we want to add a little bit to it. And that's why I think what you know, improv progressively makes the scene move, as does life. Mm-hmm. So what's to learn? Um, what I personally learn from improv is to keep my judgments at bay. Mm-hmm. I'm better at improv if I'm not first judging myself, right? I can't do this. I can't think on my feet. All these negatives get in my way. And then judging someone else. When they when they come up with an idea in a scene or in a conversation, I I constantly practice improv principles and I make those – I make no judgments so I can objectively hear what's going on. Yeah. If I could add – to that, so a lot of times I think what uh, the mistake that people who are new to improv make is they think that to be good at improv you got to be quick, you got to be funny, you got to be mm-hmm. witty, one-liners. But the best, like the number one in my view, uh, skill that you can learn is being present and listening. It's highly, uh, it's it's developing your listening skills. Um, and so, and this this can serve us in business, in life, and all mm-hmm. sorts of, of 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 ways. But people spend so much time in their heads over analyzing what they're doing and just being present, paying attention to 
what your partner is saying, how they're saying it. Physically, how are they holding their body? What are they communicating to you? And then you respond to that in the moment. And the reason you go to classes and you practice improv is that's not something that comes naturally mm-hmm. to most people. We're always thinking about what, what should I say here? What, what am I, you know, what, how am I looking? But it's really about observing and responding to what you're seeing and hearing. Well, you've got one student who's been paying attention to you. Heather writes that uh, the most important thing I've learned from improv in your classes is listening. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Ken, how do you teach this? Well, this is – I think it gets back to a basic principle of what it means to be a human being and interact with other human beings. And I think that that unfortunately doctors get a lot of that sort of like uh, beaten out of them at some point in their education. Uh, the you know the basic uh, sort of cardinal rule of improv is the yes and response. Yes, I hear what you're saying. Yes, I see this world you're in, and here's what I add to it. Unfortunately, I think doctors are really good at the no but response. You know, no, 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 you're wrong. That's not what you should do. And if you loved your kid, here's what you would do. That does not create communication. It creates barriers. It creates walls. And so what what I try to teach with medical students, with <laughs> residents, is just to say, be in the situation. Here where these people are coming from. Even if their notions about something like vaccines are completely wrong and not based on science, they're based on something. They're based on emotion. And we can't get to those facts unless we address that fear. So here the yes is not yes, vaccines do something terrible. The yes is I see that you love your kid. And for you to have fear about your child's safety is normal and natural and healthy. And here's what I can add to that. And then we go from there. And that's when we start to have communication. And that's when we start to get to a therapeutic place. Well, as I said to you yesterday uh, during our our broadcast, no patient wants to hear that the doctor is improvising. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. And yet we are. I mean, the thing is, we have to have facts. You know, if if you're a doctor, you can't get by with, with just you know, making it up completely. We have to have facts at our fingertips. But in order to effectively get those facts across to patients, in order to make this something that is, is uh, that they can invest in, they have to see, the patient has to see that we as physicians are invested in their health and in their emotional state. And so if someone is scared for their child's safety, again, about vaccines, rather than saying, oh, Jenny McCarthy is full of crap. Why would you believe her? Look, if you love your kid, here's what you do. Saying, you know, I, I, I get how much you love your kid, and you've heard some really scary stuff. And, and, and the fact that you're bringing that up tells me how much you love your kid. Here's what I can add, and then I can talk about my experience with these diseases, my experience seeing kids do well and, and how many fewer kids get this and why this is important. And that's when I start to see people nodding, and then they get into the yes and place, and we can start to have a conversation. And, John, you uh, would apply this to the area of entrepreneurship. How? Yeah, it, through corporate team building, it was an extension. So we would do improv performances at night, and then it just lent itself to, hey, can you come and talk to my group and teach some improv classes? And uh, people generally were looking for ways to learn how to cooperate better versus mm-hmm. compete, mm-hmm. right? So the yes and principle uh, was a, a big, big part of that. Um, and and the pushback that I would get from yes and would be like, well, what if what if someone told me to jump off a bridge? Yeah. Do I say yes? Well, the workaround is yes, and you first. <laughs> you know, um, so so it's it's a <clears throat> right. Um, and and I and I, I'd like to go back to what you were saying about mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we say no, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's usually in the form of a question. So in, in improv, it, questions you kind of want to eliminate because it requires someone to answer something versus the character they were working in. 
But when a question pops up, hey, do you want to go look at that pink elephant in the corner? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who does? But the mm-hmm. yes and would be, whoa, I do. And look at the purple hair on that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that gets us moving towards something. So, yeah, And in, in the therapeutics uh, situation, in the, in the medical situation, especially with new, with new learners, medical students who are just seeing patients for the first time, they will have this list of questions they're asking patients. You know, where are you from? How long has that been going on? What, you know, uh, which, which actually ends up being limiting. And one of the, one of the pr- things that I have to uh, appreciate is how much power doctors have. So if people are hearing just question after question after question, which are unrelated to one another, they get the message of, oh, the only information this doctor wants is the answers to these questions. I have this other important stuff going on, but I don't know where to put that, and I can't say it. So what I tell my students to do, and what I try to uh, model, is rather than asking a bunch of questions, saying, hey, tell me what's going on today. Hey, tell me more about that. Oh, that's really interesting. Tell me, tell me what's going on with that. That sort of becomes the mantra. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. And then people start to open up and tell me the most amazing things that I never would have gotten if I had just gone through a laundry list of questions. So listening is a big part of it, obviously, mm-hmm. in order to determine, but also listening and reacting uh, as if you are interested and engaged in the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. It's the difference between listening to respond and listening to understand. And listening to respond is knowing exactly what you want to say. Whatever this person across from me says, I'm going to give them the same speech. Whereas listening to understand is going, oh, that's what's going on with you. Oh, okay. Well, here's what I would add to that. Right. You, you mentioned earlier or asked uh, John earlier, Don, about uh, applying improv principles to entrepreneurship mm-hmm. or to, to business. So I've been self-employed for good 15 years in the arts, no doubt, as an author and a musician and improv teacher. And uh, I, I think these principles help me immensely. Another improv principle is not being attached to a preconceived notion. So you may be given a suggestion, living room, whatever it is, and you think, oh, I'm going to play the grandfather in this. But my partner comes out and starts talking about, I need help with the baby. Then all of a sudden, I got to get rid of that. I'm now the husband or whatever character character. And so in business, sometimes we have these goals, we set these projects, and we're steadfast in in pursuing them. But if we're paying attention and listening to what the marketplace is telling us, um, then we're going to notice, oh, maybe that thing that I initially had my heart set on is not the right one. But this other opportunity comes on because you're paying attention to the feedback that you're getting from the world. You mentioned a couple of times the word character. Is that what we're talking about here, Mm -hmm. that we, we should be playing characters in our interactions with people? Sometimes it helps to fake it. You want to, you want to be authentically yourself, but sometimes you, uh, yeah, there is like if you if you're going to be doing some public speaking and you're feeling insecure, so there's I think there's a TED talk by Amy Cuddy where she talks about look in the mirror and stand like Superman and mm-hmm. just you know and and say I you know and, and so you have to play that character until it be, until you can become more natural with it. The, yeah, the thing is we all we all play different roles at different places in our lives, but whether it's you know husband or son or or brother or doctor or patient or whatever. And for us not to be aware in our professional lives of what's expected of us in terms of how we interact, in terms of our demeanor, it, it, it's not, so it's not so much pretending. It's just saying this is the part of myself that I'm going to put uh, put out front in this situation because this is what this person needs and this is where I'm most likely to be of service to this person. John, your thoughts on the role playing? 
Well, these guys have said it all. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, but, thank but you that, for listening yeah. to St. Louis on the air. But that's not going to stop you, I have. <laughs> um, so so I, I like to call it the real you in a yeah. unique situation mm-hmm. because you have the answers and you have your opinions. And, you know, when we get a, when we eliminate fear, when mm-hmm. we accept those offers and we move forward, the next step is to, to get that awareness muscle strong, yeah. right? When you think on your feet – uh, it's because you're aware of things that are around you. So we would do an exercise in class, Now I'm Aware Of. And this came from Mike Nichols in, oh, cool. in, uh, at the New Actors Workshop. And basically, you just repeat over and over again. Get your brain aware of all the things. And, and you know, we process 14 billion particles per second, so there's so much we can be aware of. We couldn't possibly name it all. But the more we are aware of, the better we are in that situation. So now I'm aware that Don Marsh has a pen in his hand. Now I'm aware there's a microphone in front of me. Now I'm aware that this is behind me. And you can never run out of things that you're aware of. Boy, you mentioned Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols and Elaine May were probably the best ever yeah. at comedy improv, yeah. wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And, and they had so their roots here. Uh, actually, improv has a St. Louis history in the, in the late or mid to late 1950s in Gaslight Square. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a group called the Compass Players that played, and played here. And, and some of them went on to Chicago a couple mm-hmm. years later and founded Second City. That's right. So, and then, and then but, Mike went to New York, obviously, through Icarus, yeah. created the New Actors Workshop, and then worked hand-in-hand with Lauren Michaels. So a lot of the characters that you saw and actors coming through Saturday Night Live was via Mike Nichols. And a lot of people were surprised when he emerged as a, a, a Class A five-star director of uh, films. Oh, yeah. We have to take a break. Let's do that now. We're talking about improvisation, improv as it's called. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back to our conversation on improv. My guests in studio are Bob Baker, founder and director of the Improv Comedy Cabaret. Dr. Ken Howler is a slew care pediatrician at uh, SSM Cardinal Glenn Children's Hospital. And John Larson is with St. Louis Public Radio and the author of Just Say Yes, an optimistic guide for entrepreneurs. Improv. Improv. Bob, can we teach improv to ourselves? I don't want to take any business away from you, but can, can we do that? <laughs> he is self-employed, you know. Self-taught. Uh, I mean, certainly, yeah, I guess reading about it, but really there's, it's kind of like public speaking. You can't intellectualize getting better uh-huh. at public speaking. It really comes from doing. And I think part of, like, the reason that people come to my classes are many-fold. Some of them want to be, uh, you know, they want to learn the craft and be better performers. But there's also a community of, there's, of improvisers. I think you, uh, it's, it, since it is a collaborative effort, it's hard to do on your own, although you could certainly play with it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 think it's, I think of it more of an ensemble piece. Um, and regarding that, another reason that people come, and one that really lights me up, is that uh, I think people, especially adults, are too darn serious. The world is a lot of serious things, and so people need a place in their lives where they can lighten up. And an improv class is where you can come and you have permission to be silly, to be playful, to get back in touch with that childlike mm-hmm. innocence that you had. And even though I, I, I think the topic of the show is outside of comedy, I would think of it more as outside of performance. So, so I think when a team, whether they're corporate teams or it's a family, when you get together and you play and you laugh together, that just opens you up. I mean, bio, biologically, psychologically, there's just so many benefits, and it creates bonds that 
you just are yeah are really v- uh, vital. It's one of the things that really motivates me to teach and perform this stuff. Is there a lot of humor, Ken, in in what you're doing in the in the medical world? I mean, that's kind of serious stuff. There, there, there can be. I mean, you know, one of the things about the improv, we think of it as always being in the moment, and yet what what happens over time is that you can develop scripts based on on the experiences you have. So, if whether it's business or medicine or something like that, when I'm seeing a you know like a three year old kid, there's a certain there's a certain arc that I've created for that visit that I don't always stick to, but I might. And it involves things like I put up my hand and the kid shakes my hand and I bounce up and down and he laughs and the mom laughs and we kind of set, you know, set the tone for it. But, but there's certain types of shtick that I have developed over time because I've just done it a lot with a lot of patients and a lot of kids and I've gotten a feeling for, for what works and what doesn't work. What's interesting is, is that, that humor, I think, in medicine, particularly in pediatrics, is important because if a kid is not responding to you, I mean, kids naturally, to, to uh, paraphrase Cindy Lauper, kids just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. And if, if a kid is just not there with you, that might tell you something about what's going on with their mental state or even their physical state. Mm-hmm. So it can be, you know, a diagnostic tool to, to see if – because, you know, I'm, I'm a brilliant comedian. And if they don't think I'm funny, <laughs> there's a problem. You, you mentioned, though, that you develop scripts. Well, if yeah. you're developing scripts, is it still improv? Yeah, of course it's still improv. I mean, you know, it's interesting. There, uh, a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm – the, those scripts come out of improv. They they work these scripts over and over. They get the actors together, and then they then they end up f- filming it. And so improv uh, in the moment, yeah, sure. I'm I'm improvising as I started my career, and I was starting to see patients. But I started to see what people responded to, and over time, I it gave me a toolbox to to take stuff out of. So it's not that I have exactly the same script for every patient. But I'll see how they're responding, and I'll say maybe I'll use a little bit of that script and a little bit of that script. So it gives me, uh, you know, some uh, some guidance for where to go. John, your thoughts about scripting, as as uh, described by Ken? I think I think it's good to have an outline, mm-hmm. right? You, in an improv, the audience is going to tell you who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. And with those three things, and without asking questions, you can quickly get somewhere. Um, you know, real fast. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think of kids when I think of improv. Kids love to play, yeah. right? Yeah. So you ask a kid, "What do you want for Christmas?" He's going to say, "Oh, oh, well, I, I, I want a swimming pool." No, I want two of them—one for me and one for you. <laughs> and that kid's ready to up those stakes. And you ask an adult, "What do you want for Christmas?" He's going, "Well, you don't have to give me anything." <laughs> you know, and and I think a lot of that is fear-based fear right. of like, "Well, I really don't want to let you know what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not ready mm-hmm. to be vulnerable that way." So I think you know, we're all kids. We hear about the inner child in us. Mm-hmm. I think everybody has access to improv. We all know how to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, getting off the seat and doing it. How about in the workplace? You mentioned entrepreneurship earlier. What about any work environment? Yeah. Well, you know, when when we're called in, it's generally because people aren't really talking to each other. And and after a long period of time, that turns into resentment. Once you have resentment, you're into judgment, and then all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be in a cooperative environment, you do have an outline. Okay, from now on, it's going to be yes and. Or from now on, it's going to be no judgment. But at least you have that outline. And then from there, you can start to improv with some safety bounds. Bob, what, do, go ahead if you wanted to say something. Well, just because the, the word fear has come up a lot. Yeah. So, uh, so people are – the main reason people don't 
think oh, I can't do improv. There's there's a there's a fear, and fear is what holds us back in our lives and our work. I mean, it's just the main thing. Uh, and so, actually, in my classes, I have an exercise where we embrace and celebrate fear, and so we actually go around the, and, and failure. And so we we go around, and each person makes a general de- a declaration like I completely failed at that, or I botched that up, and we applaud them as if they just announced that they'd won the Academy Award. And so this is a place where you can take chances, you can experiment, and it's very unlike our normal lives. <laughs> what about improv in person? Relationships, marriages, or oh. boyfriend girlfriend, that sort of thing. Oh, or yeah. just, I got one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just think of all the principles that we've talked about. L- intense mm-hmm. listening when the main thing. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've heard <laughs> a lot of times you hear in relationships. Maybe not mine personally, but uh, <laughs> but you hear about you're not listening to me. You know, and mm-hmm. it's true. Sometimes we're mm-hmm. off somewhere else, uh, or we're thinking about what we're going, waiting for the other person to stop talking so we can in- so insert can what we want to say mm-hmm. instead of just really totally being present and listening to what's being said. That we can't emphasize that enough as a key improv skill that you can develop. Can yeah, yeah. I, I I would agree. I think that's it's just as important in personal relationships. In fact, it may be even more important mm-hmm. to keep them to keep them going. You have to be in the moment. You have to listen. You have to respond or, or listen to understand rather than just listen to respond. Well, yeah. I, I'd you say said you had one. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I met my wife Jocelyn doing improv, mm. and uh, she came in and we did some scenes together, and we started dating. We fell in love right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were doing three shows a night, five nights a week, and you know, of course, you had come with disagreements with your spouse, right. and we would come to the show with those disagreements, <laughs> and then the audience would tell us who we are, what we what we're doing, and you know where we're going, and uh, we got to work all that stuff out on stage, but but. To the point that we created these rules within our own relationship. So instead of greeting the person at the door when they come home like, well, where were you? What were you doing? With Mm -hmm. questions and create that defense mechanism, Mm -hmm. we created the yes and rule. Hey, do you want to go get an ice cream? Yeah, I do. Let's go get some burgers too. And this way we know we can rely on each other to accept the offer, offers and then we can move forward. And, and we got four kids raised on improv too. <laughs> that reminds me of something that we do before. I, I do these improv comedy cabarets shows once a, a, a month and something that uh, it's not unique to our group. But uh, we the, the cast gets together like six of us and we warm up. And before we go out and do the show, we go up to each person and say, I got your back. I've got your back. We give each other a mm-hmm. hug or a handshake, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's just letting you know if you're if you're feeling like you're not there, I'm going to be there for you. And that's a yeah. an, 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 that, that, that I think that's yeah. why it lends itself to corporate team building too. Mm-hmm. So when we come mm-hmm. in. You know, there's two ways to go. You can do whitewater rafting and risk your life, or or you can do something very similar in an improv scene, and it feels the same. Your nervous system's popping off, yeah? And we'll come back and visit groups a year later, and they will literally say, oh, remember when we were on Mount Everest wearing clown suits eating spaghetti? Yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. very real yeah. to them. Yeah, well, one of the things about, the, about uh, that's different, I think, in a medical setting is that the patient doesn't know that they're in an improv. Mm-hmm. They don't know about this whole yes-and thing. So, so it it's it, it's really incumbent on us to pay attention. For me, one quick story: uh, a few years ago, there was this kid I had who came onto my service who was very very ill, and his father. Um, you know, there were some issues with the father in terms of just a lot of things. Anyway, I was going down in the elevator with his father, and I said to him something about. Uh, I said, "I hear you drive for a living," and he said, "What?" And he said, "I said I hear you're a truck driver," and he said, "That's what I do. It's not who I am." I'm a computer programmer. I lost that job in 08 with the crash. I haven't been able to get it back, and this is the only this is the only job I've been able to have to keep my family together. I'm really an educated guy. Mm-hmm. 
And that told me so much about how he felt that he had been treated in the medical system, and it really changed our relationship so that we were able to move forward with to, to create a healing space for him and his son and his whole family. But that's the thing is it really is just about listening. And I, I had to throw out my preconceived notions about what I'd heard about him and the family and just go, this is who this is. Yeah. Nice. I, I want to stay with you for a second, Ken, because we have an email here from Amy. Uh, she works in uh, memory care. She writes that mm-hmm. improv has helped both dementia patients and caregivers for people living with the disease. These workshops offer a space for them to be creative, have their contributions valued. She says for caregivers, we teach them to be open and accepting of the person they are caring for and look for ways to praise and value them. Oh, I would. I, I think that's. I think that's. That's amazing. That's really awesome. And I think that that's one of the things where. In, in, I, I teach a course for first year medical students called Acting Like a Doctor, and it's about. It's a six three hour seminars on you know just just how to do this stuff, uh, and how to create eventually a patient scenario uh, where you become the patient. And I think that that what Amy's talking about there is uh, it's so important for us as caregivers to just feel what we're feeling. And I think so often doctors in particular get this message of don't get too close, don't feel too much. And yet that's what you have to do if you're going to do this well as a doctor or as an actor. I mean, when you're an actor, you feel what that character is feeling and then you can let go of it. You can't let go of it unless you actually feel it. And so I think what she's talking about there is is, is really wonderful. And for, for uh, memory care patients, it just opens up a whole new world to them and, and allows yeah. them to be totally themselves in that moment. I have a long email here uh, that I can't read because it's way too long, but uh, the writer is talking about applied improvisation. Bob, do you know what that is? And what I, I know there's an organization called Applied, the applied Improvisation Network or Applied Improv Network, and it's a group of people around the country and around the world who, uh, who um, yeah, use improv outside of comedy performances. Um, I don't know a lot about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you gentlemen do. But. I've heard a little bit about yeah. it, and it's, it is that. It's, 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 it's an application other than comedy or music. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, our time is beginning to wind down. But Bob, I know you wanted to try a little uh, a little <laughs> shtick with us right here. I figured. I, I, I hope it's relatively short yes. and, so we, and painless. We have three. Get over your fear, Don. We have three improvisers. <laughs> Just say yes, Don. Uh, so Just I, say yes. So I pitched this idea. Everybody was in because it would work well in the radio format. I'm going to ask my two colleagues. Each one of us is going to supply one common letter of the alphabet. John, I'll start with you. I will take H. H. All right, Ken. C. C. And I'm going to uh, use uh, P. So HCP, HCP, Don, is an acronym for a quirky new nonprofit organization. Uh Can you tell us what HCP stands for? Helping uh, with care and purpose. (laughs) Okay, helping with care and purpose. Okay, good. Uh, And so uh, the three of us are going to be representatives of helping with care and purpose. Um, I almost want to change one of those to make them a weird. How about... Let's change purpose to something else that begins with a P, an unusual choice. <laughs> I can't say a couple of yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's see here. Uh, uh, Helping with care and uh, in prisons. Okay. Helping with care in prisons. Okay, okay. Uh, and so you're going to interview us as three representatives of helping with care and purpose in prisons. <laughs> I'll start with you. How do you how do you help these people in prisons? Well, uh, Don, I'm glad that you asked us. Thank you. Uh, we, my colleagues and I, launched uh-huh. uh, helping to care with purpose in prisons because uh, there was a lack of care and purpose in prisons, and we saw a void there. And we wanted to come in and and show that we care. And Ken, how did you uh, determine <laughs> that there was a, a void? Well, we were getting these emails from people. Uh, people were just writing us and saying we need help 
We need mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. We need purpose. <laughs> and we thought, that's amazing. That would be such a great organization to start. And, and to take it to prison, there you go. John, is it true that you were in prison at uh, one time and that this was something that you felt strongly about? Well, I cared about it. I cared about it. Uh, And these guys were nice enough to bring me to the organization because they knew I had a special purpose. Uh, And I think that's what I bring to the group. I know you bring a lot of caring. I do bring a lot of caring. I, 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 I do nothing but care. And one of my specialties, actually, uh, it's kind of a new uh, uh, campaign that we're launching, is uh, actually Care Bears in prison. Mm. Yeah, we're going to be stuffing the animals ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and with purpose. Yeah, we just have to be careful what the prisoners stuff in the bear. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is true because <laughs> they're going to get us into trouble. Yes. Is so. this something when, during your time of incarceration, John, that uh, you would have enjoyed doing? <laughs> well, I did enjoy doing it, uh, but I got some backlash. Um, I got bullied a lot because I carried my Care Bears around. Mm-hmm. That was my purpose. And, uh, well, a couple black eyes later, I'm all, I'm all for it. <laughs> So, yeah, if you can carry a Care Bear in prison, uh, that'll toughen you up and get you ready for the real world when you're uh, ready to be re- released. And yes. seen. <laughs> I was going to say it's time to dismantle this particular corporation, so let's do so while we're still, uh, while we're still uh, intact. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much. Before we go, is there a final thought you want to leave us with with regard to uh, this uh, subject? And I, Bob, I know you've got a website. We'll put that on our okay. website at stlpublicradio.org. Yeah. A, a final thought that, that you want to leave people with? Just yeah, well, take seek out and take an improv class. Just uh, break through your fear and just test it. You'll have a lot of fun. Everybody who takes my class for the first time, they say, "Well, wow, that was a lot easier than I, than, I, than I thought." So just just treat yourself to that and some laughter. Get some more laughter in your life how about that yeah and 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 uh, when you're when you're talking to your doctor uh try being yes and yourself just just uh you know just make statements to your doctor say what you want and and see how they collaborate and uh and my website is kenhaller.net i got more stuff there about that we'll put a link to that as well john larson i would say uh every time you're inclined to say me or i try you and we Mm -hmm. and uh Stop asking so many questions. Uh-huh. Make a statement. Just mm-hmm. choose. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks so much. Bob Baker, thank you for being with us with the Improv Comedy Cabaret. Pediatrician Ken Holler and St. Louis Public Radio's John Larson. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.